right, it is time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. All right, let's talk some pharmacare here. What's going on? Well, I see the federal NDP is taking a victory lap for having finally persuaded the federal liberals to keep their agreement in their power sharing agreement, and the, they've come to terms for a new national pharmacare. I see Jagmeet Singh doing a victory lap on this thing. Uh, good news for all of Canada. I just sort of, as a British Columbian, went. What does this mean for BC? Because, Simi, as you will know, British Columbia already has pharmacare. In fact, it has a very comprehensive and very expensive pharmacare program. And I just wonder what the setting up of a national program is going to do to BC's coverage. Okay, so we still don't have any word on that. I mean, it sounds like the negotiations on this have been going on for a while federally. They've been going on for a while, and there's going to be a, a task force and a legislative drafting and all that stuff. But look, I'll give you one example. Singh says, this is great. You know what? Contraception is now going to be covered. You won't have to pay for contraception. Well, Cindy, we have that in BC. Uh, You you may remember, and I assume Singh was at the NDP convention in BC last fall, where Kaylee Lynch, uh, married to Premier David Eby, got up and announced they were expecting a child in June, and it's a planned birth. That's not why we have free contraception in British Columbia. She got a great laugh for that. But look, I mean, Pharmacare has been around in BC since Dave Barrett was premier. He launched the program. And the coverage here, uh, my concern always when the federal government gets into it is, do we get the same coverage? Does it end up costing British Columbians more for less And is it going to be as flexible? And I'm thinking of some of the stuff we've seen in the last couple of years. Contraception is a very good example. BC just added it to the list of things that are covered. Uh, The province cracking down on access to Ozempic uh, because it's a diabetes drug that was being used for weight loss. And Americans were buying the stuff up in vast quantities here and having it shipped to them in the States. Whatever you think of the provincial government, you can be critical of them or praising them. In my experience, having a provincial program like Pharmacare is a lot more responsive than waiting for Ottawa, looking at what the federal government is going to want to do for every other province in Canada, waiting to see whether they're going to give fair coverage to British Columbians the same as everybody else. So I think... The provincial government, now that we've got the federal program launched, we're going to need to hear from David Eby and Adrian Dix on two or three things. Will the coverage be the same in BC as it is now? Will BC still be able to add and remove pharmaceuticals from the list of things that are covered here in BC? And most importantly, will British Columbians be getting the same level of coverage without having to spend more. Pharmacare right now, in the budget we got last week, Simi, $1.8 billion. The budget is up 14%. It's an expensive program. If it were a standalone ministry, it would be the sixth largest ministry in government. So it really matters whether this federal program, which may well appeal to voters in other provinces that don't have it, whether this is just going to make BC's program more bureaucratic, or another question, can BC opt out? You know Quebec is going to opt out. 
And Alberta has already said if it can opt out, it will opt out because it doesn't trust the federal government either. So this is an interesting question. Can yeah. BC keep its own program? The way we did with the carbon tax, right? We kept our own carbon tax. We manage our own carbon tax. And in general, I think it's a pretty good thing if a province can manage its own programs because it's less bureaucratic and less duplication. So there's a lot of open questions about this one. As I said, I don't, I'm not surprised the federal NDP is celebrating it, but I think the federal New Democrats who are members of seats in British Columbia need to give some assurances to the BC NDP government that this isn't going to change things night and day for BC. So the ideal situation would be that the federal government gives BC money to administer its current program. Uh, That would be great if Ottawa helped share the cost of a very expensive program. But my favorite line on all the coverage over the weekend is our national finance minister, Christian Freeland, saying... This will be managed fiscally responsibly. You know, the way Ottawa does everything else, like Arrive Can and so forth. Uh, That's reassuring, I can tell you. Not very, actually. Sarcasm on Vaughn's part. Oh, I'm sorry. It's one of my hobbies. I mean, I know you're talking hobbies. Oh, I knew we would find Uh, one for you, too. sarcasm. (laughs) I knew we'd find one of your hobbies, too, Vaughn. Okay, well, we have more to talk about with Vaughn, especially about our provincial budget. And I tell you, I still have so many questions, Vaughn. I was at that event on Friday where the Premier spoke to the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade and its members. And you really do get the sense that there is more to come on this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I saw the questions. One of the big questions people have been asking is because of the crisis in schools in Surrey. Uh, You know, they're double-decker portables and all that. And I know you asked the finance minister about it to Katrina Conroy, and she said, oh, I was out in Surrey. They've got these lovely new modular schools. I'm sure that's reassuring, uh, along with the porta-potties out there. So, And I see Surrey is now saying, well, they're going to have two kinds of school day because they two shifts at the schools because they don't they can't yes. put any more portables in. So interesting response on that. I see the education minister was interviewed on this, too. And, and they're saying, well, you know, there's more to come. Right? I mean, that's that's the answer. The list of new schools in the budget, there's only one school being added to the list of new schools for the year. That's here in Victoria. But they're saying, well, you know, have a look at the capital budget. It's huge. And hmm, hint, hint, there may be more to come. So, yes, I think that's where we're headed. The premier was asked about the huge amount of money in contingency funding in the budget. I think it's $11 billion over three years. And contingency is just cash on hand that they haven't allocated yet. Uh, Well, it isn't cash on hand because they're borrowing it. But there you go. That's government for you. Uh, Premier was asked about what's all that money for? Uh, Is that an election platform? And he said, oh, no, no, no. That's to deal with, uh, you know, environmental crisis and wildfires and all that. Well, in a really bad year in British Columbia for wildfires, and we've had a few of them, Yeah, you need a billion dollars to fight the fires, and the government will put that up, and it should. But there's still an awful lot of unallocated money in contingencies that are going to be – they could keep the money, Simi, if they don't need to spend it and use it to pay down the debt, but that's not David Eby's style. He inherited a $6 billion surplus from John Horgan, and he spent virtually every penny of it, so – I think you're right. Uh, There's a lot more to come. It's an election year. 
This government likes to do it with these big, splashy announcements. And I think we're going to get a big, splashy announcement in Surrey fairly soon uh, with Surrey schools. Uh, They've already told us, you know, that one that we've been talking about for years on the old expo lands? The Olympic Village, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's coming. That announcement, they did say, oh, we'll be announcing that in the next few weeks. So it's not like it's a big secret that there's a lot more to come. Yes, and there were, there were a couple other interesting things that you kind of dug into the budget and found too, weren't there? <laughs> well, you know, when you talk about what all the spending increases are, they, oh, these are bread and butter things for needy British Columbians, but a couple of numbers that jumped out at me. One is government advertising. Now, there's a huge increase in the government funding for advertising this year. It's up to more than $19 million. Uh, let's see, it was about $12 million in John Horgan's last full year as premier, so what? That's like 60% increase in funding. I'm sure it's just a coincidence that they're spending more on government advertising than an election year. That would That's just a coincidence. Uh, the other one, that I, this one needs closer examination. I just noticed it this morning, uh, uh, one of the retiring MLAs pointed it out. Uh, Horgan's last full year as premier, the budget for the premier's office was $11 million. David Eby needs $17 million to run the premier's office. And again, that's more than a 50% increase since he became premier. And I've seen no breakdown on what all that money is for, although we try to keep a count, Simi, in the press gallery of how many lawyers there are in David Eby's office. And at last count, there were six, not including the premier, who's a lawyer. Lawyers don't work cheap. So I guess a big chunk of that is to pay for the platoon of lawyers that David Eby needs to run his office. And a lot of um, advisors. I remember that when he first (coughs) became premier too, right? Hiring on a lot of people as advisors. Yeah, I mean, they have a whole policy and priorities office in the premier's office as if having the entire provincial government at your beck and call weren't enough. You need your own policy and priority offices. No, it's a, it's, it's very bureaucratic. It's very huge. One of the big differences, Simi, between the Horgan government and the EB government is Horgan was actually pretty good at delegating. He tended to delegate. You may remember that with COVID-19, A lot of those press conferences, John Horgan wasn't even there. They were run by Adrian Dix and Dr. Bonnie Henry. They're the ones who knew the healthcare file. And Horgan, as I say, by on the standards for a premier, was pretty good at delegating. I would say David Eby is much less into delegating, much more controlling. That may be a function of him just having taken over with an election not too far away. I think it's also his style. I think it's the style of a premier who is a lawyer himself and feels the need to be surrounded by lawyers with a very large budget in the premier's office, Mm. one that is by far a record size. All right. Well, let's talk about the uh, Crown Corporation situation here, too. Ah, It's BC Hydro feels like the new ICBC. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, and you know, the New Democrats are totally opposed to the idea of using crown corporations as uh, as cash machines. There's my sarcasm again. Uh, Rick McCandless has got a good analysis out. Uh, we rely on him a lot. He's a former assistant deputy minister and keeps an eye on crowns. That's his hobby, thank heavens. And pointing out that the David Eby, since he became premier in November 2022, 
has siphoned more than seven, uh, about $700 million on BC Hydro That's for two cash rebates to British Columbia. So you're getting 100 bucks back on your hydro bill, uh, but it's being paid for by Hydro, and Hydro's finances are not great. Hydro has a lot of debt. They had to buy, what, about 20% of their electricity outside BC last year. That's expensive. They ran uh, the $55 million in the hole on operating expenses. They had to take money out of their own deferral accounts in order to balance the books. And they had to go to the Utilities Commission and get a a fee increase, or sorry, a rate increase. So we're paying more on our hydro bills so the government can give us money back. And, I, you know, if they think that the hydro rate payers can't figure this stuff out, that just tells you how the tax the government is. Wow. Okay. So this is all stuff that we're going to be watching here. This, yeah. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the whole provincial budget thing. It's almost like it, it's a holding pattern. It is. And it, it, I mean, provincial finance, there's a lot of stuff in there. Another one that jumped out at me is the federal government is increasing its contribution to pay for childcare in British Columbia. Huge increase, over 20%, 25% increase. Another $200 million from Ottawa to pay for childcare. BC is a minuscule increase in its share, 5% increase in funding. The federal government, this is where Ottawa doesn't, you know, says, well, the provinces play a lot of tricks too, you know, and they do. Federal government will spend more providing $10 a day childcare in BC this year than the new Democrats and the BC government will spend this year. Ottawa is funding a greater share of childcare in BC than the provincial government, mm. even though it's the provincial government Simi, that always boasts to us about their commitment to ten dollar a day childcare. So interesting. So you can't find ten dollar a day <laughs> childcare. Federal government is spending more providing it out here than the BC government. Huh. So interesting, Vaughn. Thank you. Bye bye, Simi. That is Vaughn Palmer there from the Vancouver Sun.